Hello, and welcome to Whatever Wednesday with Burkhart Books, the podcast. I'm your host, Diane Burkhart. I hope you'll subscribe and join me every Wednesday for, well, <laughs> whatever. Let's get on with our show today. Hello and happy Wednesday, everyone. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful Wednesday, March 30th, 2022. Today, we have got a great podcast for you. I want to talk a little bit about blended families today. We have personally got an incredible one that I cannot wait to tell you about. We're definitely a little unique. If you follow my blogs, you know I'm actually on vacation right now, spending some time with my family. When I married my husband, Pedro, I got a great package deal with him. It included two amazing twin stepdaughters who are not identical. Thank you, God, for that one. When we got married, the girls were teenagers, but now they are these gorgeous young women. One daughter came to visit us here in Germany a few times, once as a teenager and later when she was 20. The other daughter never came to visit us until now. This is the first time I'm getting to see her in person. We've had video chats and we've texted, but with her living in Chile and us living in Germany, it has been a real challenge to keep in touch. Plus, we have a language barrier that we have to work with. My husband is from Chile, obviously, and speaks Spanish, English, and German fairly fluently, along with a few other languages that he knows. I personally speak English. I know some German, but it's, as I like to say, mein Deutsch is Mist. It's like, my German is crap. <laughs> I did study Spanish when I was in high school, and a little bit later on when I was in college, but that was like 30 years ago. I've forgotten most of it. I do remember to ask, like, where's the bathroom? That's an important one to know in any language, so I know I tend to keep abreast of that one. But Chilean Spanish is very different from the Spanish that I learned in the U.S. It uses a lot of slang that I have never heard before in my life. Now, Mary, our daughter who is visiting, only speaks Spanish. She knows a little bit of English that she's picked up from TV and some of her family, because a few of the people in her family in Chile speak English too. But mostly, it's Spanish. Google Translate should really be a sponsor for this podcast episode because we have used that so much to have conversations together when my husband gets a little too burnt out to translate for us anymore. You can kind of see that switch flipping in his head when we've had a long conversation and he's had to go back and forth between us for quite a while. You should have seen the discussion when we were talking about what I should do with my hair. <laughs> I think that one about did him in. Now, today, Mary and I were talking with our Google Translator about how we were surprised that my husband's head has not exploded from all the translating that he has to do for us. You have to understand that for his job, he works mostly in German all day long. Then he turns around and speaks English with me and then speaks Spanish with our daughter Mary. That can really get to be exhausting for him, having to keep switching languages like that several times in a day. I mean, I cannot even imagine. Most of the time now, when I try to speak Spanish with my daughter, at some point it always switches over to German. I'm really shocked to find that now, for some reason, it's like German has become the default foreign language in my head. 
So anytime I try and speak a foreign language, no matter what it is, at some point it switches to German. I'm still working on that one. It's kind of weird. Now, hopefully our language skills can be a little bit better in the future and give my husband a break because Mary is actually considering moving here with us for a while in Germany. She's trained as a barber and has been working for a while and she wants to open her own shop. We all agree that she would likely do better with her business here in Germany. So now we're just trying to work out the details and see if it would really be what is best for her and her future. I personally really admire her drive. She wanted to work as a barber and went to school, got her education, and went right to work. She didn't let anything stop her from her plan. I personally think that deserves support. My husband had been encouraging her to learn English so that she could speak to me, but I think she should focus on learning German first so that she could speak to me in German and also be able to speak to everyone else here in Germany too. She and I have been practicing a little bit of German together, and she's picking it up rather quickly. I think it really helps that the basic structure of the German language and the Spanish language are so similar, where when she's trying to learn English, it's very different. And one of the things, too, about me helping her practice her German is it helps me, too. I really need a lot more practice with my German. The last two years with COVID, we haven't gone out much, so I haven't gotten a lot of experience speaking to actual Germans in German. I've forgotten a few things, but I'm working to try and get it back. Plus, I told her at any point that she would like to go ahead and add English to her language skills, I would be happy to teach her. I mean, I did work as an English as a second language teacher for a while, so I could definitely help her with that. Now, I'll admit, things were a little bit awkward for us the first week that Mary was here. But then, that is really normal. This is the first time we have all been together. It always takes time to get used to one another and settle into any kind of relationship, whether it's a husband and wife or step-parents and a bonus child. Oh yeah, and that's another thing. I feel really weird sometimes referring to her as my daughter because technically I just met her. But I really don't like saying stepchild either because that always brings to mind Cinderella and her evil stepmother. Though I have to admit, being an evil stepmother sounds kind of fun sometimes. <laughs> That's even my Netflix tag on our family account. <laughs> but of course, it's just a joke. Although today, I did start laughing while she was vacuuming the apartment. Now, she volunteered to do it. I didn't ask her to. I just wanted to get into her bedroom to get the vacuum so that I could do it. And she volunteered to do it for me. You know I love that. So I went ahead and went into the bathroom and started doing my makeup. And I was doing that while she was vacuuming the apartment. And I actually had to start giggling to myself because I felt like for that moment when I was just playing with my makeup and she was doing housework, I did kind of actually feel a little bit like an evil stepmother in that moment. It was kind of fun. <laughs> now, there have been some great bonding moments for us. Like today, we were talking about my husband snoring. <laughs> and last night when she told me, that even though I'm only two years younger than her dad, I look much younger than him. She thinks I look like he's my sugar daddy. You know I love that comment. Although I have to say, I don't think my husband loved it as much as I did. <laughs> but the point of all of this is that we are working together to blend as a family. We have a lot of things to overcome, like language challenges and social challenges, cultural challenges, with me being a vegetarian, we have food challenges. 
but we can do it. We are all adults who have goals and we are willing to put in the work to get where we want to be and to support each other as we all go on this journey. We may hit a few bumps on the way, but what families don't? It doesn't matter if you're a blended family or actual blood relations. What matters is that you work to build the relationships together, and I think we have got a great start for that. Besides, with her and Pedro both taking two nights to cook each week, that frees up way more time for me to write now, and I will never complain about that. And Mary has already proven to be quite a good cook, and she likes my vegetarian cooking so far, so things are going well in that area. I would love to hear from some of you. Do you have traditional families, blended families? Do you have language challenges too, or other issues that I didn't even touch on? I would love to hear from you about your challenges and how you face them as a family. Maybe you could even share them on a future podcast as my guest. But I think now is probably a good time to start with the final chapter in my first novella, Into the West, The Orphan Train. This first book ended up having very long chapters, but in later books in the serial, I broke the books up into more realistic chapter sizes. But you know, after all, this first serial was intended to be a learning experience for me, so I could learn how to write and self-publish books. It has most definitely served me well for that. I have learned a lot doing these. I just learned how to create a box set of books and we're putting the entire Into the West Saga serial into a boxed ebook set when I finished the last book in the serial, which I'm writing right now, Into the West Family Ties. I have learned how to create all the tracks I need to create an audiobook so I can do the entire serial in audio format once the final book is written. And when I go to write other books in the future, I will have all these skills in place to produce ebooks, paperbacks, hardcovers, and audiobook as we go, instead of having to figure out things in different stages. It's taken me a while to teach myself how to do all of this, but I think it's going pretty well. So let's get on with the final chapter of Into the West, the Orphan Train, written under my pen name, Stephen Burkhart. Here we go. Into the West, the Orphan Train, Chapter 4. The next few days seemed to go by very quickly. Connor became good friends with the twins, Tonsi and Tucker. The pair even started sitting with them for meals. Elizabeth was healing and doing well with her studies. Carrie was helping her study every night before bed. Elizabeth knew Carrie really wanted her and Connor to go on the train so she wouldn't be alone on the trip with Sonia and her friends. Carrie really liked having her own friend for a change. By the time Thursday came, Elizabeth felt certain she and Connor would make the travel list, and she wasn't sure she was happy about that. She wanted to be there for her friend, but she wanted to be near her mother more. When Elizabeth got up Thursday morning, she recited her poem over and over as she got ready for the day. She knew every word perfectly. But she couldn't help thinking, if she forgot a few words, she would be able to stay behind in the founding home and maybe find her way back to her mother. She wanted to do well for Mrs. Kelly, but she still held out hope of going home. Until now, Elizabeth had been wearing her dark brown dress that looked like everyone else's, but today felt special. So she decided to wear the light brown dress with the blue flowers. After Elizabeth finished getting dressed, she pulled out her blue ribbon and tied it into her hair, 
making a little bow on top of her head. Where did you get that ribbon? Carrie asked. It's so pretty, and it matches the flowers on your dress. Mrs. Kelly gave it to me when she gave me the dress, Elizabeth answered. Ever since Elizabeth told Sonia she'd rather be friends with Carrie, Sonia had mostly ignored the girls, but now she was suddenly interested in their conversation. Why would Mrs. Kelly give you a ribbon? You haven't learned any accomplishments yet. You're only supposed to get ribbons for learning your lessons. Sonia stomped her foot on the last word to give it more emphasis. Sonia quickly came up to Elizabeth and snatched the ribbon from her hair. I bet you stole this, didn't you, Dizzy Lizzie? accused Sonia with a sneer. Sonia steadily inched her way toward the hallway as she continued to taunt Elizabeth. I'm sure you stole this, and I'm going to tell Sister Mary Claire on you. As she spoke the last word, Sonia turned and ran from the room, taking Elizabeth's ribbon with her. Elizabeth didn't know what to do. Ignoring the pain it caused, she took out running after Sonia, but the older girl was faster. By the time she reached the downstairs lobby, Sonia was handing the ribbon to Sister Mary Claire. Elizabeth was frozen in place on the last step of the staircase and could only stare as Sister Mary Claire turned to glare at her. When she saw who it was Sonia was tattling on, the sister grimaced. Her mouth turned down into a sneer and her nostrils flared like she smelled something pungent. Miss McBride, come here, said Sister Mary Claire with obvious disdain. Elizabeth slowly stepped off the last step and made her way across the room toward the nun she feared most. When she was about three feet from Sister Mary Claire, Elizabeth curtsied and said, Yes, Sister. Sister Mary Claire held the ribbon out for Elizabeth to see and asked, Were you in possession of this ribbon? Again, Elizabeth curtsied and said, Yes, Sister. In this home, ribbons are given to girls for learning their accomplishments. Since you have yet to be tested, one can only assume you stole this from another girl. Do you have any idea the punishment for stealing in this home? Asked Sister Mary Claire indignantly. Elizabeth started to cry at the thought of being punished by this woman again. But she knew she still had to answer her question. She curtsied again and in a quiet, shaky voice said, No, sister. Sister Mary Claire stood up very tall and clasped her hands in front of her. Opposed Elizabeth had come to realize that the sister was particularly upset. In a loud voice, Elizabeth was sure was meant to embarrass her by letting everyone know she was being accused of stealing. The sister said, The punishment for stealing anything in the foundling home is fifteen lashes. However, seeing as how this is your second offense in your first week here, I think it would do your wicked soul good to endure twenty. Elizabeth was so frightened at the thought of having to suffer twenty lashes from this woman. She was frozen in place. She wanted to protest and tell her Mrs. Kelly had given her the ribbon. But all she could do was stand there and cry. Elizabeth finally forced herself to look up. She opened her mouth to speak but saw the wicked smile on Sonia's face and couldn't find her voice. The girl was clearly enjoying Elizabeth's fear. She turned to the nun. The look of disgust on Sister Mary Claire was giving her renewed fear. Elizabeth was too frightened to defend herself and just closed her eyes 
and wept. About this time, Mrs. Kelly came out of her office. What on earth is going on here? She asked, looking around the lobby at the scene before her. Seeing the state Elizabeth was in, she immediately went to her and hugged the little girl to her leg as she looked at the sister and asked, What's going on? This child was caught stealing, and I am about to punish her, said Sister Mary Claire. Stealing? I find that hard to believe. What is she accused of stealing? Mrs. Kelly asked. Sister Mary Claire held out the pale blue ribbon she had given Elizabeth. You are quite mistaken, sister. I gave Lizzie that ribbon myself just a few days ago. I thought it would look beautiful in her hair. The color matched the flowers on her dress so nicely, I wanted her to have it. Mrs. Kelly smiled at the sister and hoped her tone would help diffuse the situation. You know full well ribbons are only given to girls here as a reward for learning their accomplishments. Either you broke the rules or you are covering for the child for breaking them. Which is it? The sister glared at Mrs. Kelly as she waited for the answer. Mrs. Kelly did not appreciate the implication the sister was making. She knew she was treading on thin ice, but she felt she had to defend herself and Elizabeth. You're right, sister. We are only to give the ribbons that belong to the foundling home to the girls as rewards for their accomplishments. However, that ribbon was my personal property. I gave it to Lizzie as a gift from me to her, and I would appreciate it if you would give it back to her. Mrs. Kelly said as she returned the sister's glare, then added, Now, please. Sister Mary Claire was obviously taken aback at the way Mrs. Kelly was standing up to her. Most people folded under the older nun's gaze. Not being one to back down, the sister took a step closer to Mrs. Kelly and said in a confident voice, Must I remind you, Mrs. Kelly, you work for the Catholic Founding Aid Society, which is overseen by the Sisters of the Sacred Heart. You are employed here at our sufferance. If you are not willing to uphold the rules we have set down for the betterment of the foundlings we take in, I can always speak to the Mother Superior about replacing you. With that said, Sister Mary Claire dropped the ribbon on the floor in front of Elizabeth and stepped on it as she walked past them and down the hall toward her room. Elizabeth hugged Mrs. Kelly's leg tighter and hid her face in the material of her dress. Mrs. Kelly stroked Elizabeth's hair as she looked down at Sonia, who was standing off to the side, smiling at the whole scene. Sonia, I believe you should be in your room studying. Go there now, said Mrs. Kelly, her voice tinged with anger as she spoke. Sonia's face changed as Mrs. Kelly spoke. She didn't lose her smile, but... Something in her manner became harder and a bit unnerving. Mrs. Kelly was determined not to look away from the girl as she returned her stare, but it was difficult. Sonia didn't rush off like Elizabeth would have if she had been spoken to that way. She just slowly walked past Mrs. Kelly and Elizabeth, her smile frozen in place. Something about it all was decidedly unsettling. When Sonia was out of sight, Mrs. Kelly leaned down and picked up the ribbon. Then she did something she rarely ever did with any of the children. She picked up Elizabeth and carried her into her office. There, there, Lizzie. Everything's going to be all right now, Mrs. Kelly said as she sat Elizabeth on her desk. 
Mrs. Kelly sat in her desk chair and looked at Elizabeth. She felt so sorry for this little girl. She had been through so much in such a short time. She knew then there was no way she was going to leave this little girl here at the foundling home with Sister Mary Claire while she was gone for several weeks. Mrs. Kelly ran the ribbon through her fingers to wipe off any dirt that might have gotten on it when the sister stepped on it. Let's put this in your hair, shall we? Mrs. Kelly asked. She fastened the ribbon around her hair and tied a neat little bow on top of her head. Mrs. Kelly smoothed out some of Elizabeth's more wild curls, then cupped her little face in her hands. There now, absolutely beautiful, said Mrs. Kelly. Elizabeth smiled and threw her arms around the woman's neck and hugged her as she whispered in her ear, Thank you. Mrs. Kelly sat frozen for a moment. Eventually, she relaxed and hugged the little girl back. Elizabeth was still shaking from her ordeal with Sister Mary Claire. Only moments before, Elizabeth wanted to purposefully fail her exams today so she could stay behind and have more time to find her way back to her mother. But things were different now. The thought of being left behind in the foundling home with Sister Mary Claire, while Mrs. Kelly was not here to help, scared Elizabeth more than anything in the world. As much as she missed her mother, she was afraid of Sister Mary Claire more. She wanted to do whatever she could to be on that train with Mrs. Kelly. And I think this is where we're going to stop for today. Be sure to check back with our episode next Wednesday when we have more of Chapter 4 of Into the West, The Orphan Train by me under the pen name... Stephen Burkhart. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday today. And thank you for joining me, Diane Burkhart, with today's Whatever Wednesday from Burkhart Books.